So yes, this is a happier month. And therefore we can be more happy and therefore we should. But let's, let's think for a moment. How would life change if we were happier? Or how do we know, what is the evidence that we are being happier? The previous Rebbe asks, there's a mitzvah to love God. Like with every mitzvah, you either fulfilled it or you didn't fulfill it. You know, if you eat less than a certain amount or volume of matzah on Pesach at the Seder, if you eat less than the required volume, you haven't fulfilled the mitzvah and it's not even called eating. Because if it's less than this particular amount, then, then, it, then it can't be considered eating. You haven't eaten. Just like if you swallow it whole without tasting it, it's not called eating. So eating has a definition. What does it mean to eat? It, ha it has certain properties. The mitzvah of loving God is a mitzvah like all the others. What, what, are, its, what are its dimensions? What are its properties? How do you know that you fulfilled the mitzvah? Or in simple language, what would be the telltale sign that tells you that you have experienced love of God? So in order to answer that question, you have to actually define love in a very, in a very practical way, in a, in a measurable way, non-poetic. So the Rebbe says like this, if you're walking down the street, burdened by your problems, obligations, whatever, and you feel the heaviness of life. And then suddenly you encounter a person that you love. What is the effect? The burdens that seemed heavy don't seem so heavy anymore. It's okay. That's the effect that love has on people. So if you meet somebody and just seeing them makes your burdens a little lighter, that means that you truly love that person. I'm not talking about romantic love. But that is the nature of love. The nature of love is it softens the hard edges of life and it makes the burdens a little easier and um, more comfortable to carry. So the burdens don't go away. You don't forget your problems, although some may describe it that way. You don't forget your problems. You forget how oppressed you are by your problems. 
because they're not so impressive. Love makes the heaviness a little more buoyant, a little more doable. So how do we know if we love God? If you're feeling burdened and a little, um, a little crushed by those burdens, and then you think that God runs the world, we're only here to serve him, or we're here only to serve him. And all of a sudden, it doesn't feel so bad. The burdens are not so heavy. The problems are not so serious. And the issues are not so threatening. Then you know that you have fulfilled the mitzvah of loving God. Now let's apply that whole thing to joy. It is a mitzvah to increase joy at the beginning of this month. And as the Rebbe always pointed out, increase means you have to increase it every day of the month. So every day of the month, you have to be happier than the day before. How do you know that you did it? You make a joke, you laugh more. How do you know you're happier? And what does it mean to increase joy? It doesn't say to start being happy. It says increase the happiness, which means you are happy. Because all year you're supposed to be happy serving God with joy. But in the month of Adar, you're supposed to increase. What's an increase? I mean, happy is happy. What does increased happiness mean? Static? Hysterically happy? What, what, what is, how do you get 30 increases of happiness for each day of the month? What does that even look like? What is that? So let's take a look at what happiness really is. First of all, happiness means revealed, not closed, open. A happy heart is an open heart. Sadness closes the heart. So what does it mean to be happy? To be, to be more more sharing, to be more expressive. So for example, it wouldn't be correct to say, I am internally happy. You can't tell that I'm happy, but inside I'm happy. Now, happy means external, showing on the surface, displaying, revealing, expressing whatever it is you're feeling. So you don't run around saying, I'm happy, I'm happy, I feel happy, I'm so happy. The people who insist they're happy make you a little suspicious. 
But whatever it is you are feeling, if you are happy, you will express those feelings. Because one of the symptoms of happiness is expressiveness. Sadness shuts down the expressions. So a happy person is more likely to express anger, but express it, not repress it. Whereas a sad person is more likely to repress the anger. So joy means letting it show. Letting what show? Whatever it is you're feeling. Whatever it is you're thinking, express it. So you might say that part of joy is sharing. So to use the example, there's, there's, a, there's a wall, a fence around your heart, which, which is a good thing. It keeps us emotionally sane. But that fence has to have a gate, a door, so that when things need to be expressed, they can be by going through the door. A person who is sad has a fence around their heart and there's no door, there's no gate, there's no opening. What happens when you introduce happiness to that person? It will, it will open a door. It will, it will break through the fence at least somewhere without destroying the whole fence, allowing what's inside to be visible to the outside. Simcha peritz geder. Simcha creates an opening in a fence. Another symptom of, of joy, of happiness, is that when you're in a state of happiness, your pleasures, the experience of pleasure, is healthier and easier to, to achieve. A person who is sad does not really experience pleasure properly. So if you eat when you're sad, the pleasure of the eating is a little dulled. It's not what it should be. It won't taste so good, it won't be so satisfying, it won't be so, so pleasurable. Whereas the same food, you eat it when you're in a good mood, when you're happy, the pleasure of the eating is much greater and healthier. So one of the things we should bear in mind, increasing joy is not the same as increasing pleasure. Because if you don't have joy, then the increase in pleasure is not going to work well. <clears throat> it's not going to be a healthy pleasure. So one of the ways of staying healthy is to eat only when you're in a good mood. 
happy people are healthier. Of course, happiness itself is healthy. You can laugh yourself back to health, as we've all read and, and know. But also, when you are happy, the pleasures that give you life will be healthier. So they will give you more life. They will be more life-giving. Whereas if you try to substitute pleasure for joy, the pleasure fails. It's not a healthy pleasure. You don't feel as much pleasure. It's not as satisfying. And so when you take pleasure as a substitute for happiness, it usually turns into an addiction. You can't get enough because you're waiting for the pleasure to make you happy. Pleasure and happiness are two very different things. The relationship between them is that when you are happy, the pleasure you're going to experience will be greater, healthier, more satisfying. So when you eat in a good mood, that food or the pleasure of that food will give you more healthy results, will, will strengthen your life, will make you healthier. But if you're eating when you're sad, the eating is not gonna help much. It may feel good for a moment, but in the long run, it's not healthy. And the same is, thing with, same is true with all pleasures. So joy, increasing joy, also means experiencing more pleasure in the things that are pleasurable. So it's like letting the pleasure out of the bag. So this, the, the nature of, of joy is that it opens up the gates. When you open the gates, pleasure has a greater freedom to be felt and experienced and appreciated than when the gates are closed or there is no gate, only a fence, only a wall. Another thing about increasing joy, how do you know that you've actually increased in joy? You feel an increase in gratitude. And that's, that's measurable. You know when you're feeling grateful and you know when you're feeling ungrateful. You may not pay attention at times, but when you pay attention, you can very easily um, identify that feeling of gratitude. Whereas joy can be a little more elusive. I think I was happy. Was I happy? Felt like I was happy, but maybe I was just having fun. Maybe I was just distracted from my sadness, but I'm not really happy. Uh, but grateful? Grateful is, is identifiable. It's measurable. And as we've spoken before, maybe probably many times, grateful means 
I am convinced that I'm getting more than I deserve. I don't understand and I cannot justify all the good that I'm having. So I'm grateful for it. Whereas if I think I deserve it, if I think I earned it, then gratitude doesn't come into the picture. I'm not going to feel grateful that I was paid for an hour's work after I did an hour's work. And the proof is, what would I feel if I don't get paid? I put in an hour's work and I don't get paid. Or I get paid for less than an hour. Would I feel ungrateful? <laughs> no, I would be outraged. Because I earned an hour's pay and I'm not getting it. That's an injustice. I would be in, indignant. I would be upset. I would be angry. I would be, I would be very critical of those who don't pay. So if not getting paid makes me angry, then getting paid isn't going to make me grateful. It's just going to make me feel that that I got what I deserve, which is only just, not an occasion for celebration, not an occasion for gratitude, unless I didn't expect to get the job and I'm really grateful that I got the job. But that's because I haven't done any work yet. But once I put in an hour's work, now getting paid or not paid is a question of justice, not of gratitude or joy. But if I'm getting paid for more than an hour, after working only an hour, now I have a reason, I have grounds for gratitude. So if you feel you're getting more than you deserve, you feel grateful. If you feel that you're getting more than you need, you feel wealthy. So these are the ways in which we can measure whether we are in fact increasing in our joy or not. When you're happy and grateful, your burdens don't seem so heavy. In fact, if you're truly grateful and truly happy, you don't have any burdens. And whatever it is you need to do, must do, are compelled to do, is not your problem. So a truly happy person realizes that they have no problem. Yes, I must eat. It's not my problem. I don't take it personally. It's a biological imperative. Yes, I must find something to eat. But you're not threatening me. It's not a threat against me because I don't really care. When you're happy, you don't take things so personally. You deal with the facts of life 
But those facts are objective. They're not about me. <clears throat> something needs to be taken care of. Something needs to be fixed. So we read in Tanya, quoting the Gemara, that Hillel, the elder, when he would go to eat lunch, he would say to the students, I have to go feed the hungry body like a poor person begging for food and I'm going to go feed him. So what he says in Tanya is <clears throat> that Hillel felt that way because he identified with his soul and not with his body. So when the body demanded food, biological imperative, it didn't feel to Hillel, it didn't feel like he needs to eat. The body needs to eat, or better yet, the body needs to be fed. And it's my mitzvah to feed it. So I'm going to do the mitzvah of feeding the hungry. In this case, the hungry happens to be my body. But who am I? Who am I? I am my soul. And my soul doesn't need to eat. My godly soul. So in Tanya, he's talking about how holy Hillel was, that he identified himself. When he said, I, he meant his godly soul. His body just dragged along and um, had needs. So he provided the body's needs, but he and the body were two separate realities. But you can say the same thing for less holy people if they're really happy people. In the happy state of mind, it's not about me. Or when you're in a frame of mind where it's not about you, then you are happy. Because we can see when a person is sad, melancholy, whatever, Where are all his thoughts and feelings focused? On himself. So when you think about yourself, it causes sadness. When you stop thinking about yourself, it causes happiness. So in a state of happiness, yes, I'm going to have to eat. But it's not my issue. The body needs to eat. The body needs to be fed. And it may very well be my obligation and responsibility to feed the body. But again, it's not personal. The hunger, the need to eat, the need to sleep, the need for friendship, the need for a compliment, a hug, these are all unhappy needs. When a person says, I need a hug, you know they're not so happy. When a person is really happy to see you, they don't need a hug. They want a hug. They enjoy the hug. So all neediness is a form of sadness or, or it produces sadness or comes from sadness. 
but they're definitely related. So the more needy you feel, the sadder you are. And the sadder you are, the more needy you feel. So how would we know that we are experiencing an increase in joy? I don't feel needy. I'm still going to eat because I have to. I'm still going to sleep because I have to. But it's not that urgency that threatens the I or the me. If I don't eat, I'm going to be in trouble. Not really. If I don't eat, there will be trouble. But not I'm going to be in trouble. I'm not involving my ego in this. This is not my identity that is at, at, at risk or at threat. Yes, I have to eat. If I don't eat, I'm going I'm, I'm to I'm gonna be weak. Yeah, I'll be weak. Well, I shouldn't, so I'm going to eat. <clears throat> but it's not personal. This is such a healthy and even godly way of thinking. <clears throat> 